want to trust God to move by his spirit. The Lord is in his house among his people. And he will not leave you empty. Let's bow our heads and let us pray for the word tonight. Father, we come in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. The name that is above every name. We come and we bow before you. Our eyes are upon you. Our ears are open to hear from you. Lord, I pray the spirit of the almighty God gives us ears to hear. That you would anoint your word and that your word uh, will bring life to the hearers uh, and will transform your people tonight. That your name would be glorified and that your people will leave this place tonight with praise upon their lips. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. So good to see these young people here tonight. I want to give the young people a hand. Let's give them a hand tonight. I see these teenagers here. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. Well, we are living in critical times. Critical times. And life comes with many situations sometimes that can really knock us for a loop. Sometimes in life we are faced with what we may say, humanly speaking, impossible situations. Situations, realities uh, that seem like they will never change. And these situations can leave us hopeless or without hope of any change in our situation. For example, you may go for a job interview and you get no for an answer. You're looking for a promotion and you get no for an answer. You go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with some uh, disease or some sickness that for which there is no treatment and sometimes people may get a word that their illness is terminal. Sometimes a person may be having problems in relationships where relationships are, are broken and they seem to be irreconcilable and that, that there's no hope that those relationships will ever be mended. And I can go on and on and on and give you all kinds of situations and all kinds uh, of scenarios. But I'm not here tonight to bring bad news. Uh, I'm here to bring good news. And that is that all those situations that we look at these facts uh, and we look at these realities uh, that we can say tonight, according to the word of God, uh, that those things that are impossible with men uh, are possible with God. Because all things uh, are possible with God. And so I want to encourage you tonight, as I'm speaking to real people tonight who have real issues and who are living with real situations, that I want you to know that you have a real God. Amen. And God is here tonight, and God is able to change every situation. I have as a title for tonight's sermon, Faith Over Facts. Faith Over Facts. And this title came to me. And I want to try to explain this to you, what I mean by faith over facts. And I reveal a little bit about myself, you know, as I, mean, as I came up in life. I don't know, how many of you uh, came up in one of those churches where playing cards was a sin? Anybody here old enough, you know, playing cards was sin? Well, that was me. That was me. My mom says, no, you ain't playing no cards. That's sin, you know. 
Uh, and so I, I came up in a church where that was the case, but when I became a teenager and I got around to my friends, guess what? I played cards, different card games. How many of you have played a game called Spades? All right. And I remember missing so many classes in college in the student center playing Spades. We sit there, we're saying, are you going to class? Yeah, I'm going to class. And five minutes later, I thought you were going to class. Well, no, I don't think we're going to make it today. And we sit there playing spades. Now, you know when you're playing spades, is a very strategic game, and there are certain cards that have more power than the other. I'm talking about faith over facts. And, uh, you know, somebody may think that they got a real good play, and they throw that ace down on the table. But then the other opponent comes down with the joker and feels very good about it and pumps their chest out. But then your friend across the, the way, across the table, he says, I got your back. And he comes with the big joker. You see, he trumps everything else because he is the biggest man in the room. And when I'm talking about faith over facts tonight, I want you to know that there may be certain uh, realities that seem like they're set in stone and that they're never going to change. But I want you to know that faith trumps everything. When you got the card of faith, then you stand on top and you are the one that's going to come out victorious because of the power of faith. I want to talk to you, uh, break it down to you in this way. If you can look at a numerical uh, uh, equation and look at a fraction, for example, everybody knows that 2 divided by 2 is equal to 1. Maybe I shouldn't assume that, but I hope everybody knows that 2 by two divided by 2 is 1. Now, 2, the, 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 the number that is under the line is called the, young people, denominator. And the number that is above is called the numerator. Now, let's say that the denominator never changes. The denominator is going to remain the same. That is the fact, the denominator, 2, 2, 2. Now, work along with me. 2 divided by 2 is what? 4 divided by 2 is? 6 divided by 2 is? 8 divided by 2 is? 10 divided by 2 is? The fact can remain the same, but if the numerator is faith, as your faith increases, your outcome increases. Hallelujah. Faith trumps the fact every time. And the greater your faith is, the greater your possibility of having a greater outcome in your situation. And uh, it is possible for all of us tonight to have great faith. God has given you a measure of faith, and how you use that faith will determine whether or not you have a great faith. Amen. I was given a scripture long ago in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse 3, and a very old lady in my church uh, uh, many years ago, back in 1984, gave me this scripture. And, and the lady, she was, she was blind. She was led around by another young sister. And she came to me as I was about to go to the mission field. She was probably in about her 80s. And she looks at me and she says, son, she called me son, son, the Lord has given me a word for you. And she gave me that word, and that word kept me through a whole lot of hard times. And that word was Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Call on unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just call on me. And God says, and I am going to answer. As we look at this scripture in context, the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nation of Israel. And the Lord has spoken prophetically over them that he was going to punish them for their disobedience and for their sin. And that he was going to give them over to the Babylonians and they would be in captivity for many years. And God is, is speaking judgment over Israel. He's talking with Jeremiah, revealing these things to his prophet. But even in the midst of all those bad things that God is speaking concerning his people, he says to Jeremiah, these things are going to happen. And this situation is going to be so bad that it's going to seem as though it is irreversible. But Jeremiah, you are the man who have called to stand in the gap. And I want you to call upon me. And if you call upon me in this situation, I am going to show you great and mighty things that you never could imagine. And this is talking concerning the children of Israel. As you know, they did go into captivity in Babylon, and uh, they were later uh, spread all over the world. And it was only in 1947 when they came back together as a nation. And uh, this is all because uh, uh, the prophet Jeremiah obeyed the Lord, and he called upon God, and he prayed, uh, and God has brought that prophecy to pass. If we will learn to call upon God in great faith, then God will change every situation that we're facing. I know that there's some people, you've been told that your situation will never change. You've been told that a relationship will never heal. There will never be a reconciliation. You've been told that you will never get a certain job. You've been told that you can never do certain things. You can never own a business, that you will never succeed. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. There's a scripture I want to share now in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through verse 41. And there we have the story where Jesus is with his disciples. And as they are going over the waters, there arises a great storm. Now, this storm was so terrible that water had begun to fill the boats. Now, these men who were on the boat with Jesus were very experienced Fishermen. Now, let's read the scripture. He says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the, to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith. We'll stop right there. How is it that you have no faith? Now, these fishermen, the situation was so bad that they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, we're getting ready to die. Now, this is what they saw as their present reality. 
This was their present fact. They were about to die. You know, they have a saying that misery loves company. They're about to die and Jesus is asleep. Why don't they let him go in and keep sleeping if they're going to die anyway? Let him die in peace. Amen. But no, they don't want to wake him up. Jesus, we're going to die. Wake up and die with us. We don't want to be afraid alone. We want you to be afraid and terrified like the rest of us. And we want you to die with us. And so they're desperate, so they wake up Jesus because they've seen that Jesus has always uh, found solutions. And against hope, they had a glimmer of hope that maybe Jesus may have a solution. But Jesus arose, uh, and he looked at this storm. Now, this storm was a killer storm. You see, these fishermen have been on the sea many times before, and they know what this storm was saying. The fact was, this storm was going to bring death to them if something didn't happen. And Jesus spoke to the storm. But what I'm, uh, I want to share with us tonight is what Jesus said to them. He says, why is it that you have no faith? Why is it that you are so troubled? Jesus speaks to the storm because he has the authority and the faith to believe that he has authority over the storm. And so what he's saying to them in essence is, if you had exercised your faith, what I did, you could do also. Faith trumps the fact. The fact and the reality is that you were about to die. But if you had risen up in faith, you would have been able to dominate over those facts and over that reality, and you would have seen a miracle. And so here it is. This is one situation where we see that faith trumps the facts and the reality that was there. Another story we can look at is in the book of John, chapter 11. We know the story very, very well. John 11 39, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He says, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. So not only is Lazarus dead, he is dead and stinking. He is real dead. And Jesus said to her, did I not say unto you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? And Jesus, would you not, you would see the glory of God? Amen. And so the fact is that Lazarus was dead. You see, Jesus, look, look, Jesus waited where he was and delayed coming to Mary and Martha. He didn't want there to be any doubt about the fact that Lazarus was dead. He wanted to be very clear irrefutable whether or not Lazarus that he was dead his sister says Lord he stinks his body is decomposing he is no longer in his normal form Lord it is ridiculous it is uh, not uh, sane to go and to disturb that body he is stinking and he is dead he's gone beyond death he's decomposing you see it is a fact and no one had raised anyone from the dead but Jesus looks at that fact, and he looks up to heaven, and he calls upon God and says, God, for this purpose you have sent me to bring faith into the world and to call men and women to see that if they would truly believe in you, as I said to Martha, if you believe, you would see the glory of God. He talked to the Lord, his father. Then he spoke to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, I know you're dead, and I know you're stinking. But he says, Lazarus, I am the resurrection. I am 
the life. And even though you are dead, Jesus himself said it, you are dead, but yet you shall live. Listen, my brothers and sisters tonight, if Jesus can overcome death, then what else can he not overcome? Jesus is the undisputed champion of all situations. There's nothing that can compare to him. There's nothing that can refuse him. There's nothing that can resist him because he has authority over all the earth, over the wind, over the waves. He has authority over death. He has authority over your situation. No matter how far it has gone, there's nothing that is impossible unto God. I want to bring you to another story. And I love this story in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 22, beginning at verse 22. This is a story of a Canaanite woman. And her daughter, her child, was very sick. It says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat uh, the crumbs uh, which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. If there ever was a case where faith trumped the facts and the realities, this is one. This woman was a Canaanite woman, and she had several things going against her. Number one, she was not a Jewish woman. Number two, she was a woman, so she was of a lower class in that particular culture. And here she comes crying after Jesus that he may listen to her her, and hear her cause. And as she cries out to him, the Bible says she comes to where Jesus is. Let's just go back and just go through these scriptures once again. She comes to where Jesus is. And she calls unto him and says, have mercy on, on, on me. Next scripture. But he answered her not a word. He answered her not a word. Now, this woman, the reason she came to Jesus is because presumably she had heard about him. She knew what he could do. She knew that he had worked miracles. She knew that he was the only one that had a solution for her problem. And so she came to him in faith, believing that he was the answer to her problem. Now understand here tonight, this woman's daughter or, or child was demon-possessed. Now there's nothing like a mama who has a child that's sick and the, the heart of a mom towards her, her sick child. Amen. I wouldn't know nothing about that, but, uh, but I, I, I have a wife, and we've had a child, and, and I know how mothers are when it comes to children. I mean, we men, we're there to a certain extent, but then, you know, we go to bed, but mom is still up. 
Can we say amen? And so this mom was grieving over her child that was possessed with a demon and called out to Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus did not say a word. It shows that he seemingly was apathetic to her situation, that he had no feelings for this woman. She called, but he does not answer. So there are several hurdles that she has to go through to get her miracle. This is a story of a woman who was desperate, and she was not going to be denied. She had no right to be there, as far as her culture was concerned, but she came not on the basis of the law, but she came on the basis of mercy and grace. As she cried out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so it says that Jesus didn't say a word. So the first barrier she had to overcome was the barrier of apathy, the barrier of neglect. Jesus did not even respond to her. So imagine how some of us may have, may have been put off or would have been put off when we go to the person who we think is the answer to our problem and they do not even listen to us. They turn their back to us. But this woman says, no, no, no. Today I'm going to get what I came for. And so she continued to cry out to Jesus. And he didn't answer her, and she continued to cry. And then the disciples say, send her away. For she cries out after us. And so not only has she experienced apathy and neglect, but now she is experiencing rejection. The men, these apostles now say, send her away, Jesus, because she's crying after us. Imagine the haughtiness in the apostles who have the nerve to say, she's crying after us. Who do they think they are? She's not looking to them. She's looking to Jesus. She identified the one whom her hope was in. It was in the son of David. Not in any of the apostles, but in Jesus alone. But they have been, become too familiar and now have exalted themselves and become haughty. And they're speaking in the place of Jesus and they're saying, send her away. And so now this woman is not only experiencing the apathy from Jesus, but she's also now experiencing rejection from the men. You see, these men were filled with prejudice and discrimination because they knew she was a woman of Canaan. And they felt that she had no right to interrupt their party with Jesus. Now the story goes on. But he answered her and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So now Jesus is speaking. Before he says nothing. But now he begins to speak, so I can see now that she's beginning to hang on to every word. Oh, he is speaking. Perhaps now, after having faced what I thought was apathy and rejection, perhaps now he will say something that will give me hope that he's going to help me with my situation. But Jesus, the words he speaks to her are words that are piercing in the heart. He says that I am only sent to, to the lost sheep of Israel. And you might think that Jesus was being cruel and that Jesus was being unsympathetic. But what Jesus is speaking here is truth. It is fact. That was a tradition 
of the day. That was the, uh, the, the, the call of Jesus. God sent Jesus to his children, the children of Israel. And the plan was that Jesus would bring the word to them and that they should receive the word and that they would take the word into all the world. It was not yet the time of the Gentiles. And so what Jesus was saying was fact. I have not been sent except to the lost sheep of the children of Israel. And this was a fact. And can you imagine how the other apostles now hearing Jesus say this? So, yeah, that's right. That's right. She needs to leave us. She needs to get out of here. So everybody now is ganging up on her. Everybody's looking down on her. And they're all just waiting for her to turn around. And just to walk and to whimper and to go away. But the woman cried even more. It says uh, that she came and she began to worship him. She worshiped him. She bowed before him. And she says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. She bowed. She worshiped. She had all the respect. She had not brought, been brought up in the Jewish tradition. She uh, did not know the law, but she knew uh, that she needed to worship him as Lord because she, she saw him as Lord and she bowed before him and began to worship. But then let us listen to the next words of Jesus Christ. But he answered and said to her, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Apathy, rejection, disqualification. You are not among the children of Israel. You have no right to come to me. You are disqualified. You ever been told that you are disqualified? You ever been told there's no hope for you? You ever been told you don't belong here? You ever been told uh, you, you, you're too heady and high-minded to think that you could ever accomplish this or do this? That you're out of your league? And now Jesus is telling her, not only are you disqualified, but you're a dog. This is the lowest of the low. To so humiliate this woman to say that you are not even human, you are a dog, a Gentile dog. And yes, there is bread. It's like there's a table that's spread and there's somebody that's hungry and saying, give me something to eat. And they say, yeah, there is bread, but it's only for the people in my house. It ain't for you. And Jesus says, yes, there is bread because he says there is children's bread, but it's for the children. But guess what, women? You are not among the children. You're even worse. You're not even of another family, but you are a dog. It's not me to take the children's bread and to give it to a dog. So she's gone from apathy to rejection to disqualification and finally to humiliation. Now, what Jesus said about her being a dog, Jesus was only repeating what they've been saying all along concerning the, Samaritan, the Canaanite women. You see, they were not Jews. They were Greeks. They had no right to the mercies and the blessings of God. They were not of the, the children of the law. They were not from the, the, the seed of Abraham. And so these were facts that were established. And you may wonder, why would Jesus even repeat those things? Why wouldn't he not just immediately go from the woman's request and say, okay, I'm going to give you a miracle. There's no big thing here. Here's your miracle. I think Jesus not only went through this route 
to help the women to rise in her faith. But I believe he wanted to teach those that were looking on that you may have situations that seem unchangeable, that seem that there's no answer, that seem that there's no way. But it ain't over as long as you continue to persist in faith. Faith wears down resistance. And this woman says, and I, I like to see, look at what she says to the Lord when the Lord says that it's not me to give the crumbs to uh, you. Jesus says to her, or the woman then says to Jesus, I like what she says. Yes, Lord. Now, there's another version that says, truth, Lord. Truth, Lord. Lord, what you're saying is true. Lord, what you're saying is a fact. She didn't dispute him. She didn't get into a religious debate with him. She simply said, truth, Lord. But you see, I believe that Jesus knew that within this woman, there was something that was going to rise up. And he says, I could just go ahead and give it to you, but I want to show people great faith. And so he allowed these barriers one after another to be placed before her so that she could walk through those things and go through those things and that she would rise to her highest level of faith. You see, when you got faith in you, faith will find a way. Faith will cut a river in the desert and cause that river to come flowing to you where you are. When there is no door that's open, faith will kick the door open. Where there is no way, like they say there, Jesus can make a way out of no way. And so this woman, all doors were closed to her, and she was presented with certain realities, and everything says no to her, and the odds are stacked against her. But because of her faith, she finds a way to reach Jesus. She says, what you are saying is true, Lord. And I will accept what you're saying. But Jesus, I'm not coming to you on the basis of the law. I'm not coming to you on the basis of tradition. You see, my brothers and sisters, we are not coming to God on the basis of our goodness. We're not coming to God on the basis of how, how, how smart we are, how spiritual we are, or how long we've been in church, or how many scriptures we know. We need to put all of that aside. This woman says, son of David, have mercy on me. She didn't come based upon legal rights or based upon justice because it was because of that that she may not have received anything, but she came on the basis of mercy. And her faith was in the mercy of God. My Bible says that the mercies of the Lord are renewed every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, uh, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Hallelujah. There comes a time, brothers and sisters, when we, we should not take time to rationalize and to try to figure it out, uh, but we should place our faith uh, in the finished work of Jesus, cross, uh, Jesus Christ upon the cross uh, and put our eyes upon the cross uh, and to see that that cross is empty and see that Jesus has risen from the dead, uh, having victory over death and the grave. Uh, and because he has the victory, we also have the victory. Even dogs eat the crumbs from the table. Glory to God. Now, do you know the Bible says that very hour, 
that that woman's child was delivered. Guess what now? She was not relying on a loaf of bread. But she says, Jesus, I know who you are. And all I need from you is a crumb. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who he is? Many times what we receive from, the, from God is determined the degree to which we know him. The book of Daniel says that the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. This woman knew who Jesus was and knew that he was able. And she says, okay, God, I know you talked about the children's bread and I don't want the loaf. Just give me a few crumbs. But guess what tonight, brothers and sisters? Now get this. Get this. You're not a Gentile dog. You're not outside of the kingdom. You're not outside the family. But you're in the family. You are seated at the table. Hallelujah. You're at the table. And guess what? If this woman could get a miracle from a crumb, what can you get if you got the whole loaf of bread? Huh? What can you get if you have access to everything that's on the table? David said, my Lord, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Everything may be coming against you in life. Oh, the doctor may have said there's no hope. Oh, somebody might have said that child is never coming back home. Oh, somebody might have said, oh, you're never going to get pregnant. Oh, somebody might have said, oh, you're never going to get that job. You're never going to get that contract. But you got to say, oh, you know what? I believe in the mercy of God. My faith is not in man. My faith is not in what I see. I'm not going to go by the facts. I'm going to go by faith. I'm not going to go by what I see. I'm going to go by what I believe. And as Jesus said to Martha, didn't I say to you that if you would only believe, you will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the glory of God comes in a situation, it changes it from the natural to the supernatural. It takes it from the earthly realm to the supernatural realm. It takes it from a realm of impossibility to a realm of possibility. Because God is the creator of all things, and God is still creating. And if he has to create something to bring you your miracle, then God will do it. And so tonight, my brothers and sisters, I want you to understand what Jesus said to this woman and this is something that we need to grab a hold of and he speaks of the fact that there is bread that belongs to the children all that you need God has provided for it's the children's bread you don't have to beg for crumbs let your faith arise Hallelujah. No matter how the fact is before you, no matter what the reality is before you, no matter what answers you've gotten before, continue to press in. You see, this woman could have gotten up, could have given up at the moment when Jesus said nothing. She could have given up at the moment when the apostle says, send her away. She could have given up at the moment when Jesus says, you're not even qualified. What are you doing here? 
She could have given up at the moment when Jesus humiliated her and says, you are a dog before all those people. She could have said, well, I know that you are the son of God, and, and I heard all these good things about you, but right now, I'm going to tell you, I, I can't take that no more. I'm sorry. I want my child healed, but uh, 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 I got to go now. But when you're desperate for a miracle, this woman, <laughs> she wasn't looking at all those barriers. She was thinking about her child. She was thinking about her child. And she says, I'm not leaving without my miracle tonight. I'm not leaving without an answer from God tonight. Because I know that I know that I know that he can do it. And I'm not leaving until I get a yes from Jesus. Hallelujah. Tonight, God is in the house. Tonight, we want to believe God for miracles. I'm not preaching this message to work you up emotionally, but I'm preaching this message to build your faith and to cause you to see that faith works. Faith still works. You know, some people think, well, what if, what if I believe and nothing happens? What if you believe and something does happen? I've seen miracles. I believe in miracles. And uh, God needs a people, you know, who will continue to believe in miracles. There's a, there's, there's a story in the Bible where there's a woman who continued to come to Jesus, not come to Jesus, but go to this unjust judge uh, and make her pleas to him uh, uh, for her particular case. Uh, and she wanted this judge to, to rule on her behalf and the judge to continue to send her away. And she continued to trouble the judge until the judge gave her what she wanted, Luke chapter 18. But you know what it says, I believe it's in verse 8 of that chapter. It says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a question. And, you know, sometimes the way people ask the question shows that there's doubt. And you say, well, Jesus got doubt. Well, he knows who he's thinking about, and he knows what he sees. He chooses to have hope, but he knows that there, there's, there's possibility for those who would choose to walk in faith. But in asking this question, he's wondering, is there going to be faith on earth when the Son of Man returns? Yes, we must be a people of faith. We must believe God for miracles. And as we believe God for miracles and we bring all of our faith together, we're going to see miracles. And in this day in which we live, let me tell you, if the church is going to see revival, there must be a revival of miracles. There must be a revival of our faith. Faith can trump the facts. It can trump the reality of bad news. So just continue to walk in faith and believe God. And God will give you a miracle. Let's bow our heads tonight, and let's pray tonight. As we bow our heads tonight, I want you to think about those many situations or situations that you are dealing with. There are some for which you have given up, and you've lost hope, and you have no longer, or you don't no longer continue to contend for God to move on your behalf in certain areas. But tonight, I encourage you, take a hold of faith. Trust in the mercy and the grace of God. You can't figure it out, but just trust. Have that radical faith. Believe against hope. Believe against what you see. And continue to say that my God can, my God can. As we bow our heads tonight and as we pray. God has given us faith. And his spirit is present here tonight. The greatest of all miracles is when Jesus takes a life and changes that life. And the greatest miracle is to change 
a life from a sinner to a saint. This too comes by faith and by trusting in Jesus Christ. It's not through any works or anything that you do. There are some who say, well, I need to get right first. No, you can't get right. You can only be made right through the blood of Jesus Christ. Tonight his heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this place. Tonight you have an appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's brought you here because he loves you. And he wants to bring you into his family and into his kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Man doesn't have that power, but the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart tonight. And it's drawing you to his son, Jesus Christ. I encourage you not to resist that voice. There's a force of darkness that does not want to lose you. Satan wants to keep you in his grasp and keep you in darkness. But Jesus has come to bring you into his kingdom. The Bible says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tonight, you will call upon the name of the Lord, and by faith, you will be saved. Are you tired of the life of sin? Are you tired of the emptiness, the guilt? Jesus comes tonight to offer you hope. Right now, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As the Spirit of God is moving upon your heart, how many this night will say, Pastor Gould, I need Jesus. I feel him tugging at my heart right now, and I need Jesus. If that's you, right where you're seated, would you raise your hand all over this building tonight? Front to back and right to left. Who, who would raise your hand right now and says, yes, I need Jesus. I see that hand. How many more? How many more tonight would raise your hands with these others and say, I need Jesus tonight. Can I see those hands right now? The Lord is calling right now by his voice. He's drawing you. There are those who have once been in the church, but you've gone back, or you've been pretending, but you know you're not truly saved. And tonight you want to make that decision to give your heart and to give your life to Jesus. How many would say, Pastor, I need to come home. I need to get right with God. I need to surrender. How many? Would you lift those hands right now? Would you lift those hands all over this place? How many? Yes, thank you. How many more? How many tonight? You need to get right with God. Come on. This is business with God tonight. How many? The Lord is speaking to you. Don't refuse him. This is the hour. That's the hand. Yes, I see that hand back there. How many more? We're waiting on you. We're waiting on you. This is the most important part of this service. You're going to be translated or transported from darkness to light, from a kingdom of the devil into the kingdom of God's dear son by your faith in Jesus Christ. How many more would join these others right now? Amen. We're going to stand together. We're going to stand together. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come and join me at the altar here. Would you come? All those who lifted your hands, just come. Come and join me here, please. Come and stand in the front. Those who lifted your hands, I want to pray for you. Come on. Hallelujah. To those who lifted your hands, if you just leave your seats and come on down the front here, we want to pray with you. As we wait on them, there are those tonight, you need a miracle. And I want to believe God together with you. We're going to join our faith together. We're going to pray and believe God for miracles tonight. If you need a healing miracle in your body, I want you to leave your seats and come and just stand here right now in front. We're going to pray for God to work a miracle for you. You may have a disease. The doctor says you're going to have that for the rest of your life. You're going to be on meds for the rest of your life. Just come and let's believe God tonight. We're going to pray and believe God for healing. Just come and just line up right here in the front here. We're going to pray for you, those who need a, a healing miracle. We're going to pray for different needs here tonight, but right now we're just going to pray for those who need a healing miracle. Just come and stand.
Hallelujah. 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 As you come tonight, you're looking to Jesus. We're going to join our faith together in this place tonight. I want us all together to believe God for his spirit to come and to touch and to heal. For the Lord would come and trouble the waters here tonight. And by his spirit, he would touch and he would heal you tonight. And so we're going to join together and pray for all those who stand here. We're not going to talk to each one individually, but I want to pray for all of you today that God would heal your body, wherever your sickness may be. If you want to take your hand and just place it in the area where you're having a difficulty, if it's, okay, if it's possible for you to do that without feeling embarrassed, you can do that. And we're going to believe God tonight for healing miracles, healing miracles. Let's pray together tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, rabababa shiketere le maranda da la barita da la molosa. Kientere le marada da landoro do bocosere bayasisike. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. Your word declares that you are the resurrection and that you are the life. Lord, you are the life. You are the God who heals. Lord, through your stripes we are here tonight, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I want to believe you, Lord, tonight. Lord, to heal each one, God, by the power of your spirit. I command this sickness to be gone. I command a creative miracle. I command a reverse of the curse of this sickness, God, and command